podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the moment of the evening every K-State fan enjoys. Settle down and pour a whiskey, crack open a LaCroix. Please put your hands together and make a little noise for your favorite Wildcatters, the handsome Bosco boys. There we go. The boys are back, and I, I think one of my summer off-season projects is I'm going to get a database so I can keep track of how many different guest appearances uh, every single guest has had. I think at this point, Jimmy Goheen, a.k.a. Casey underscore fan, a.k.a. Jimmy the Goat, is now the all-time leader. But I will have a full stat breakdown at some point this summer. Uh, but Jimmy, how are you doing today? Uh, just so everyone knows, the timestamp for the show is Sunday, March 21st, 11.42, just in case anything happens in the next 12 hours. I don't think it's going to, but I'm just throwing it out there. Jimmy, how are you doing on this Sunday uh, late morning? I'm doing well. Just a second. Someone left the fridge door open. Sorry about that. It's a, it's a little bit like Michael Bishop on our 100th show. He was, I think, going into his house and having to turn off his security system to a little alarm. So that's a little throwback reference for everyone who's been riding with us for now. Like, gosh, we're like up over 360 shows at this point. Yeah, as far as how I'm doing, um, just finished spring break. So that's always good for if you live in the teacher world. Or the student world, for that matter, although a lot of students didn't get spring break this year. I know K-State did, not my son's going there. Um, so it was, it's always nice to have the spring break week, although the weather was terrible for spring break most of the time. Pretty good day today, um, but ready to watch, watching some little basketball today, and uh, been fun watching the first two rounds of the tournament, and tons of upsets, tons of double-digit seeds in the second round, so that's always fun to watch, even though it killed my bracket. So, uh, otherwise, doing well. Yeah, I like it. We'll, we'll, we'll touch base just real quick on the Royals real quick, because I know you're a big Royals fan. Um, you know, we're coming up on opening day here in a couple of weeks. What are your thoughts on uh, Bobby Witt Jr.? Are you one of those folks who say, hey, play him from day one? Or are you a little bit more of a realist and say, hey, don't bring him up. We want service time. We want to manipulate that game a little bit. Where are you standing with Bobby Witt Jr.? Yeah, I've, you know, I listened to a couple Royals podcasts the last week in the back and forth on that. And uh, I think uh, Trent Petro talked about it a bunch on his show. And although he can be annoying, I think he's a pretty good Royals take guy most of the time. And I can, I, I mean, <laughs> I mean, people know me. I'm, people call me KSU fence sometimes because I sit on the fence. And this is another one where I'll probably sit on the fence. Um, I think if he's good enough to play and uh, he can, he can play right away, you bring him up. Um, one of the writers, I think it was Flannery maybe was talking about how, you know, some, some teams have done that played him and not played the service time game and got rewarded because the, the player and his agent was loyal. He also brought it up that Bobby Witt doesn't have a crazy agent like Boris and Bobby Witt's dad is his agent. So, Maybe that changes things a little bit on how the Royals work with him. So if he can play and if he's way better than Nicky Lopez, I say you bring him up. If if you can get away with Nicky Lopez for two weeks, you know, and, and that point was Bobby Witt has never played against major league players in real games. So you're going off of a spring training basically and a little bit of rookie ball. So there's a lot of back and forth there. Um but I'm excited to see him whenever he comes up because he's going to play this year for sure. And I think he's legit. And, you know, even the, the Royals rider I was talking about pretty much says <laughs> maybe he's going over. He was trying to be cautious, but he was pretty much saying, I think he could be the next George Brett. But we'll see about that. Hey, I, uh, imagine if he did become the next George Brett. That would be amazing. I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, the Royals sporting Kansas City coming up soon. So while the uh, regular season for K-State football and basketball is over, we do have some of those fun spring and summer sports. Also, Batcats 
you know, they, they've been a little bit hot and cold, but, you know, they're, they're a lot of fun to watch on ESPN Plus as well. Before we get to the meat of the show, anyone who is listening to this on the po- – actually, everyone would be listening to this on the podcast feed. If you want to go back, we released – Friday night, uh, the feed from our live show on the Locker Room app, and I will link to the app in the description of the show. We had a lot of fun just chatting with the Boneheads. Sadly, we had a lot of uh, transfer news to talk about with K-State, but we also talked a little bit of K-State football, March Madness. We had a lot of fun. We are going to be doing the live show again this Friday. So download the app, have some fun with us, chat with me. I think Grant will be on there as well. We had a great, uh, you know, showing from a lot of folks. So download the app, come hang out with us next Friday. It'll be a fun time. And then before we start talking about K-State basketball, Jimmy, I have to toot my own horn. I, I don't want to put the cart before the horse or anything like that, but I, I think things are getting pretty serious between me and my all-time favorite celebrity crush, Katie Nolan. Um, I, she might get mad at me for saying this, but we're official. I think she's my girlfriend. Well, I, I did send you a message and wondered, you know, how the dating is going with Katie the other day when I saw your back and forth on Twitter. So clearly, I, I think there's something going on there, too. I mean, I, it was pretty clear from the tone of both your yours and her tweets that this is this is a real deal, I think. Yeah, I, I think so, too. Um, I, I'm, I'm happy that my lifelong crush of Katie Nolan has finally paid off. Uh, for those who don't follow me on Twitter, we had a very fun back and forth all stemming from uh, a tweet about my good friend, sister Jean. Um, and it resulted in some great back and forth, some banter, some sarcasm, but anyone with a pulse could tell that there's so much love between us. So I'm just happy to see where things go between me and Katie Nolan. All right. So, uh, let's just get into it before we do from the latest drops to some dead stock. If you need some heat, for your feet, you can find the exact sneaker you need over at ebay.com. They have an authenticity guarantee. A team full of independent professionals will t- perform rigorous inspections of your sneakers before they're sent to you for all purchases over $100. Also, if you are a sneaker reseller out there, you get a 100% commission on all sales over $100. Other sneaker sites take almost 25% off. So you're going to have a lot more extra money to buy some more sneakers over at ebay.com slash sneakers. Jimmy, I know you made a purchase over there. I got some new low uh, Air Force Ones, some lavenders. They're going to be in the mail here in a month. I'm pumped. Also, get over to betonline.ag. I'm sure everyone had a ton of fun gambling on the first and second round. If you're listening to this on Monday, you still have a, you know, half the slate of second round games. And guess what? You have the sweet 16 elite eight. You have everything you can still want to gamble on over at bet online. We tweeted out some of the really fun props. That's what bet online does better than anyone. Even if Kansas ever figures out how to legalize sports gambling, they're not going to have some of these fun, quirky, uh, just, just, just entertaining prop bets to play over at betonline.ag. I put a bet on Wildcats making it the farthest in the tournament. I'm not going to win that. Uh, although, you know, if, if ACU, if Abilene Christian can make it, you know, my long my long bet might pay off. But get over to BetOnline today. You can also bet on reality TV shows, award shows, all of it. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right. Before we talk about K-State basketball, let's just – Real quick, touch on what's happening up north at Iowa State. They're paying over $10 million in buyouts to get rid of prom and make a new hire. Before we talk about their choice in the new hire, what does it do to you as a K-State fan to see probably the best example of a peer school when it comes to athletics uh, making an investment of that sorts for their basketball coach? How does that make you feel? Yeah, it's it's uh, just looking at what they spent to to buy out both pro man to to get the new guy. I mean, when you're talking ten million, I hope I and I hope and I think that we have boosters that can do that, and I hope that when it needs to be done, they will do that. And, you know, many people would argue it needs to be done as now, but you know that's debatable. But still. Um, it's impressive that Iowa State is building that, you know. It's not a complete surprise to me because I look at how much their school has grown in the last 20 years. I remember when I was at K-State in the early nine, mid-90s, we were pretty much the same size as Iowa State. 
and now they're they've got 15 to 20 more thousand students than we do um, bigger state you know they got chicago and minnesota or minneapolis places to pull from that we we don't and they've benefited from it and i think that growing alumni base and i'm sure they've got some some big num- money people too that help them out but it's impressive to see them put up the money um, to, to do it. And, and we're, I know we're going to talk about who they hired. I'm not as impressed by that, but to, to see them want to fit that bill is pretty impressive. So uh, kudos to them for, for spending the money. You know, they just put a bunch of money into their football staff too. And their coordinators, I think are the second highest paid in the league um, behind Oklahoma, Texas might've passed them now to uh, Texas was up there. So third, third highest paid in the league. So, they're spending money at Iowa State much more than, than we are or most other schools in the Big 12, to be frank. Yeah. Yeah, so let's talk about who they did decide to hire. Um, and it was almost instantly. I think it became official less than 48 hours after. Um, so that, that kind of proves that uh, some stuff was going on under the table. And we can have longer conversations, and maybe there'll be a time for deeper in the offseason about uh, the business of college athletics and where it's gone too far and all that jazz. But they hired TJ Ott. I'm not even going to try to pronounce the entire last name. I'm just going to call him Ott's for, you know, probably his three years he'll be at Iowa State before he gets fired as well. But he was an assistant during the Hoiberg era. He had some success at South Dakota. I'm not going to try to downplay that. What he did at South Dakota was great. But I think uh, if I'm going to decide to be nice to his, uh, you know, career at UNLV, I, I would call it mediocre at best. I would say realistically it's been underwhelming at UNLV, especially when you look at the history and the resources you get at UNLV compared to other Mountain West schools. Um, just, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll be nice and say mediocre. Um, do you see Ots being a uh, successful Iowa State? And if you were an Iowa State fan and you saw the type of money that you're willing to invest in making this hire and that's who you got, would you be thinking that was a good return on your investment? I, w- I would not think $10 million total to go get Otz. Uh, Otzel Burger is, is your best option. I think um, there's, it's kind of a move on their part to, to find um, a connection back to the Hoiberg era because they, you know, they, they were pretty good under Fred and Otz was, he's a good recruiter. There's no doubt about it. There's no doubt he can coach. Um, pretty well. He did well at South Dakota State and get, took them to two tournaments in three years. But I just have some pause with I'm, I agree with you on his his UNLV teams and the fact that he got worse this year than he was last year um, and re- returned quite a few players um, from his first year there. Um, so, you know, I, I I get why they like him to an extent, but you've got to have some success where you're at too. Um, and two years at UNLV wasn't, wasn't great. No tournaments um, under 500 overall, I believe. So um, he may be, well, you know, he may be the next Fred Holberg, but he could also be the next Greg McDermott at Iowa state, not Greg McDermott at Creighton. So we'll see what happens. But like, like I said, I wouldn't want to be spending that kind of money on him based on what he did at UNLV. And if you're kind of just kind of chasing to, you know, have a connection back to the Hoiberg era and Hoiberg has not been great at, <laughs> at Nebraska. He's been bad no. at Nebraska, but if you're really that desperate to get back to that, why don't you just find two, $3 million more and just get the guy himself is my question. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I, I just, uh, I, I don't know. And, and maybe I'll prove to be wrong. I've, I've been wrong when it comes to a lot of coaching hires quite a bit, but if I was an Iowa State fan, I would have been pumped that we're willing to spend that much money, but I'd be livid at who we got. But well, And I also think that Fred probably was not going to go coach for Jamie Pollard again. That's I mean, true. They did not. It did not end well the first time. And, you know, I remember the sleeping in the hotel uh, lobby because they didn't have rooms um, one time in the tournament. So, I mean, there was some issues between those two. So um, that that's that's I think that was probably part of it. That's true. And then the, the, again, some people are trying to, and good for Jamie Pollard for hiring, uh, you know, Mr. Matt Campbell, whatever. Uh, <laughs> but some people are really starting to have revisionist history when it comes to uh, how good of a hire, uh, hiring AD he is. Because at the end of the day, uh, 
Hoiberg was the easiest hire in the history of college athletics for them at the time. It takes no AD insight. And then if you throw that out and then you look at Matt Campbell, you'll give him, okay, that one's good. He has hired a bunch of disasters. So um, I'm not willing to give Jamie Pollard a lot of credit. He He's taking out loans from banks. He's taking money from the university. He's having to send out YouTube videos to beg money from his donors. Um, I know John Kurtz was, uh, you know, singing Jamie Pollard's praises and all that type of stuff. That's fine. He got it done, but I, I think he's a clown. And I think it ultimately this could come back to bite them, but that just might be salty me, uh, you know, trying to make myself feel better. But because we're not a big 12 podcast, we're not an Iowa State podcast. We are a K-State podcast. We have to start throwing stones at our own glass house now because sadly things have not changed with Bruce Weber when it comes to roster retention. We knew Antonio Gordon was going to go. Uh, not surprisingly, Rudy Williams continues the pattern of Juco players being one and done when it comes to K-State, and that's one and done going somewhere else, not to the pros. Um, but the biggest name so far this year is Dejuan Gordon. He's decided to leave. Um, let's focus mainly on Dejuan in this conversation, but how, how disappointing is it that uh, uh, Bruce couldn't find a way to keep him or Dejuan didn't want to stay, however you want to phrase it? I was, I was pretty disappointed just because I viewed him as one of the core – four players and um, so far the key player out of that class. And, and now that class is pretty much blown up. You know, hopefully Monte Murphy can be back hundred percent next year and show what he, he was at times during his freshman season. But, you know, it's, it's a hit to lose a guy like Dejuan, who's uh, an energy guy, defender, rebounder, you know, didn't live up to being quite the offensive player that I think we maybe thought we were getting when he came out uh, as the player of the year in Chicago. Um, but in, in that part of this game didn't quite translate, you know, had a very poor shooting year this year. But I still think he's one of the best four players on the team um, or best five players on the team, maybe, if you're if you're throwing Mike in there. So it's, it's a loss. It's a hit. Um, but He's not – I don't think he was ever going to be a superstar and all-Big all 12-level player. Like, I definitely think Nigel Pack and Davion Bradford can become. Some Miguel, maybe. You know, I, I think he's closer to where I, I would have Dijuan um, as far as maybe an honorable mention guy someday. Um, so it's a hit, but you still keep your best two and your best three, in my opinion, and re really even your best four if Mike comes back. So – you know, I, I can go back and forth, but again, I, I, I was free to post the attrition numbers because I think you have to be legit and you have to be realistic. And, and I, I'm not one to go out and just say, post fire Bruce and Bruce socks and all this stuff. That's not me, but I will post the facts and I post the facts about attrition because I think it's bad and it has been bad, but I still think you have two really good, you know, I go back and forth. I still look at Nigel Pack and Damian Bradford and I say, here's two guys that can be all big 12 first or second team, no doubt in my mind. And if you keep those guys all four years and they become your next core three or four guys, like you had with Barry Cam and Dean, then maybe you're talking, but you know, I, I know, and I can understand why a lot of people don't want to hear that anymore too. Yeah. And I, so this came up in the live show and, um, and I even I, I overstated it because I think that the the, you know, retention thing with Bruce Weber, I think it's more of a recruiting defect deficiency, like I would say 70 percent of the time versus being able to keep your players happy, because I think I, I, I definitely said it wrong in the show talking about how of guys that you left that were actually starter caliber you had I said on or Angel Rodriguez I said uh Cartier uh Jada and then I said Dejuan Gordon they appropriately called out Marcus Foster because that was just uh that was a mess up by me but then I think you also do have to shout out uh you know you, you did lose both uh Nigel and Javon Thomas in one offseason both were starting point guards so uh it, it definitely was not as throwaway as I tried to make it seem but still even if you look at how many of those guys left not a lot of them were hurtful and I think Dejuan is one of them I 100% I do and Antonio Gordon maybe is on that fringe but do you think I 
am correct in saying it is more of a, hey, Bruce is screwing up typically his spring recruiting and they're just coming in and out? Or is it a, hey, uh, losing this guy's whether or not you screw up your recruiting is bad um, even because you're not filling them with better players? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think it's both. I definitely think there have been plenty of reach recruits or recruits that didn't work out. You know, I, I, I kind of got over the first restart. Um, but, but my issue is I went back and through and broke down the four classes between Barry Dean and Cam and this current freshman class with Nigel and Davion. And they just, there's just, there's four players that have stayed out of 17 total recruits. Like, and I would agree with you. I would say over half those were just flat out recruiting misses and guys that probably shouldn't have been here in the first place. Brian Patrick, James Love, Levi Stockard, Nigel Shad, Mato Salo as a as your one grad transfer, Austin Trice, Good News Capago, uh, Sean Williams. Whew. You have so many guys in there that were just never even a factor and didn't do anything besides become a role player at best in that group, you know, and then you had some legitimate, I think Ahmad Wainwright was a decent Juco recruit that would have been pretty good as a senior. Um, you mentioned Cartier. That's definitely one. Although we did get, you know, you got three years out of him and two really good seasons out of him too. Um, um, I think in my opinion, still the biggest miss was Sean Williams. I really think they saw him as the kind of every two-year key guard kind of in the Barry Brown or even Cam Stokes type role as a key piece to bridge um, that class to basically this current class because I think you need that key guard every two years at least. And him not working out and, and not being a player is really, I think, a major reason we've saw the crater seasons the last two seasons because you need that lead guard uh, Cartier just wasn't – that wasn't his thing. That wasn't what he was meant to do. X wasn't going to be that. And uh, not having that guy last year, and then this year you're putting guys in position to try to do that that shouldn't have to do it. Nigel Pack is a freshman, and that's really not his role, I think, um, in the future. I think he can be it. I don't think it's Mike's role, and I think that's why his numbers were so down this year. I think, you know, in some ways the best guy at doing it at times was Selton Miguel, um, but I don't think it's a 100% role for him either, so. You know, just all those issues combined, you've, you've got to get it fixed. Um, it's frustrating that it's happened. Um, but, but I'm like you and you guys talked about in, in the live show, which was really good, by the way. Um, you've, I think we're moving on to having Bruce next year. So you need to complain and say Bruce sucks every day or you can try to look at the pieces and, and see if there's any, any way this team can get better next year than what we've seen in the last two seasons. And that's kind of where I'm at, even though I'm posting the attrition stats because I think they're legit. At some point, I'm going to start looking to next year. And, and we've got to wait out. Do we? Who are we going to get in the transfer portal? Because I think we're going to get at least one and maybe even two. So I've got to see those pieces before I get definitive and, and go crazy about what next year is going to be. For sure. And I think I have a question here in, uh, in here where we'll talk about maybe what you're hoping to see uh, to fill any of these roster holes. Yeah. Um, so, and, and there's been a lot of conversation about this and, and I, I probably was a little, uh, tough on Dejuan during the live show about this as well, but the reasoning Bruce gave, and at least the smoke that's coming from folks connected to the, uh, basketball program is that Dejuan indicated he wanted to have, um, a, a bigger role and be a more focal point on an offense. Um, but he had a pretty high usage rate. Uh, at K-State, and he had a lot of minutes, um, and, and we just saw what he was on offense. Um, so, so, and again, I'm not going to run the player down. I think there are a ton of reasons why he probably wanted to leave, and uh, it doesn't necessarily mean he was being tampered with, although I think some people were definitely in his ear, maybe crossing a line, but that's neither here nor there. But if, if that is true, if the reason Bruce gave was true, does that make it more frustrating that – Bruce couldn't articulate to him, hey, this is how much we're using you um, and point that out? Or are you more frustrated with Gordon 
thinking he needs to have an even higher usage rate than what he was seeing this year. Yeah, I, I mean, I would say I, I would be – I don't know what was communicated between coach and player, coach and handler, or assistant coach, whatever. I mean, I'm sure there were conversations about roles. Um, but to me, I, I doubt Bruce and his staff use – the type of advanced stats that I advocate, specifically possession rate and percentage of shots taken while on the floor. Um, I don't think Dejuan Gordon is going to go find a program where he takes 22% of the shots while he's on the floor besides K-State. You know, maybe he wanted to be on the ball more. I don't know why, because um, he turned it over a ton. So I think that makes him look worse the long run. Um, but, but shooting the, the ball 22% of the time and clearly having a green light to shoot threes when you struggled this season um, shows me that, you know, I don't know where he's going to get a bigger offensive role. I don't see a program where he's going to be first or second guy. Um, he might be the third guy, and he, I think he definitely would have been the third guy at K-State if he stays. So, and the numbers show that because he, he was third in possession rate on the team actually second in possession rate on the team behind only Mike McGurl. So he had the ball in his hands more than any other player as far as what the offensive stats show. And he shot it the third most on the team besides only Nigel Pack and uh, Mike McGurl. So um, in my opinion, I think that's the reason he gave Bruce or maybe even that's the reason he was told to give Bruce by someone. I don't think campering, but I definitely think handling is involved here. Um, so I, I would say that the reason he's leaving is probably something else. Um, it probably has more to do with the system we're in, the role he was asked to play, or maybe he just wanted to be closer to home and be on a better team. I don't know. And, and I, I can understand any of those reasons. I can't buy the reason Bruce gave as, as being legit though, for, for why he would leave though. You know, it's what he said and it's what Bruce said. So. That's what we know at this point. That's probably all we're ever going to know. Um, but again, I, I, I think he can be a better shooter. He shot over 30% from three last year as a freshman. Um, I think he got plenty of open shots this year. So uh, I, I just wish him good luck. I hope he does well wherever he ends up. And uh, uh, we have to move on and find a player to replace him. So that's, that's the staff's next task. We can't worry about what we don't have anymore. Yeah, and then I, I just want to reiterate, at least my opinion in this, this show, it's if a kid leaves K-State, we, we want them to find a good fit and we want them to be successful. I think there's maybe one exception to that rule since we started uh, doing this podcast and we're not going to bring that up. But we, we really do want the best for Dejuan. We want the best for Rudy. And I tell you this, uh, if Tony ends up at, at Tulsa, uh, I, I think he might get some buckets for them, and I hope we don't have them on a future schedule because we have all the issues we ever need playing Tulsa. So uh, I don't, I don't want to play Tulsa again. So uh, we'll move on to one last question specifically about days one. Uh, while I personally uh, don't think him transferring is good news, this is not an addition by subtraction, um, it, but for me it isn't enough to move me from being cautiously optimistic for next year being um, a better year to going back to burning it down. Um, as some people might have heard during the live show, this was the tipping point for Grant, um, which is fine. And I, I, I at least based on how you see some Twitter reaction and some message board reactions, some people are trying to act like this was their tipping point. But if you're keeping scorecards of uh, what people were thinking two weeks ago versus now, I, I don't think it's moved the needle for a lot of folks. It's just giving um, some more ammunition to the folks who are v being very vocal about still wanting Bruce gone at this point, which again, is fine. They, they probably have more reason to have that opinion than I have for mine, but did, did it change your temperature when it comes to Bruce at all at this moment? Or is it more just like you said, Hey, you've accepted he's probably coming back. Um, and, and you're looking forward to next season, hoping for the improvement or did you cool a little bit because of it? I would say I cooled a little bit. I, I don't think I went burn it down. Um, it did cause me to kind of compile the, the roster numbers and, and tweet them and post them out there just because it was – I was frustrated because it's like, come on, man, let's let's get this figured out. Keep – because I and, – and I've known the numbers of – you know, I've looked back at, you know, continuity on his rosters and experience on his rosters and 
how much that correlates to him winning and losing. And anything that hurts continuity and experience to me hurts Bruce. And, and I think his record throughout his career has, has uh, borne that out. So that's why I became frustrated with it. Um, but again, I try not to be super definitive until we know all the information. Right now we don't because we're still waiting on who the staff's going to get to replace him, whether Mike McGurl is coming back and several other pieces of information that we don't have yet um, as far as what next year is going to look like and, and what's going to happen next season. So, you know, I, I, it dropped my confidence a little bit in what can happen next year. But again, say they go out and get one of the better um, transfer guards that can help this program going into the next year. That maybe gives me a little more optimism again. I mean, I get, I get everybody that says Bruce has never pro proven to use the transfer portal very well. This is also a year unlike any other. So I'll let him see what happens. He also, I, I, I'm also putting a lot of faith in Shane Southwell because I think he's a key in getting the kind of kid in that we need. I think he's got the dynamic young coach personality that I think every staff has to have and can help bring in guys, can help keep your team together, can help to keep your team focused. Uh, and, and so what I like is that the freshman core they only know K-State basketball was Shane Southwell. And so I think that's a key. And you also have the relationships the current players could have with the guys that want to transfer, whether they played AU basketball with them or were in the same high school league or whatever. So I'm going to let those connections play out and see what happens. And, and uh, maybe the cohesion becomes even stronger. Maybe the current freshman core never connected with uh, Dejuan and Tony uh, as much and and maybe they could be even more cohesive in the future because of that so we'll see what happens uh, but I agree with you it's not a nothing but I'm not going to go full burn it down um, at this point and it's probably going to take a lot I'm not probably quite as patient as Dylan was on your live show but I'm pretty patient and I'm pretty optimistic so we'll see what happens as they continue putting this roster together for the future. Yes, for sure. So remember, the entire Armchair Media Network is sponsored by BetOnline.ag. Whether you're waking up at 6 a.m. to bet on the English Premier League or staying up and live betting, you know, Cactus League, spring training, baseball, they have the best uh, props, live odds, and they're posting the lines sooner than anyone in the game. So get over to BetOnline.ag is your spot to wager during March Madness every year. Use promo code armchair for your welcome bonus. And remember, like I said, we are sponsored by ebay.com slash sneakers. If you want the hottest pair of sneakers, you should make your purchase over at ebay.com slash sneakers where they have a third-party authenticity specialist for all pairs over $100. Send me a screenshot of your receipt. You'll be entered in for a raffle for a pair of custom Air Force Ones, and I'll send you a Bosco's Boys koozie. Okay. So hey, just, just yes. to just to verify what your, your last ad spot, I've actually bought two pairs off eBay Ooh. sneakers in the last month. Bought my son a pair of purple and white uh, Jordans. Ooh, um, They're really nice. And then I bought myself a pair of blue and white Air Force Ones, which are really nice. And, and it's everything that you just said. I mean, you get authentic stuff. They're good shoes. And, and they're pretty good price. You can find really good prices on there for – Shoes that you can't buy in stores. You can't find them on Foot Locker. You can't find them uh, Dick's Sporting Goods, wherever you want to go. You can't find them besides on eBay sneakers. So definitely, definitely use that if you're a sneaker guy. Yes, I, I appreciate it. And, and again, I'm waiting. So the, the pair I bought, I, I have a pair of these uh, lavender, I think they're like called the 07 Stardust. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know, it has some weird yes. name, but it's basically my like lavender or like purple shark skin, however you want to describe them, Air Force Ones. And I wear them a lot. They're like my go-to pair. And they, I, I've worn them down quite a bit. And I, I was like, man, before we had the sponsorship deal, I was, I was trying to find them. I could not find them. I, I get the the sponsorship. I get over to ebay.com slash sneakers. I see all sorts of them. I pay probably more than I wanted to. But again, I had no idea that these were such like a rare pair. I mean, in hindsight, I wish I would have bought two when I bought them and just kept one in the box and I'd probably be a millionaire. 
but I, it, it's amazing what you can find over there. So I, I, I'm all about it. Um, to, and again, tweet me, maybe we'll do, we'll do like coolest pair of shoes at some point this week and, uh, send out some more koozies or something like that. We'll, we'll have some fun with ebay.com slash sneakers this week. So let, let's move in just a handful of questions, uh, to move, move things forward. Um, you've touched on it a little bit, but what does this staff need either if it's in-house development or finding a transfer portal guys, I doubt you're going to find a prep guy who's going to really help you move towards, you know, that 500 mark where, uh, if you're at that in conference play, if you if you're 500 in the Big 12 next year, assuming you aren't a disaster in the non-con, that's going to give you a chance to go to the tournament. So I, I, that's going to be my, you know, eight month out, you know, goal. Be around 500 for conference play next year. So what was the staff need to add or hold out hope for to get to that 500 point next year? Um, my my priority list is is number one to get a point guard who can score. Uh, point guard skills, distributor type. I think it makes everybody better on this team. I think it's kind of what they were missing this past season. Um, a, a guy that can be ball dominant, maybe even be the starter at the one and move pack and Mike McGurl off the ball if Mike is back. So that's my first priority, you know, and I say combo guard, a point guard that can score a combo guard. Cause I don't want, you know, just a guy that's a distributor, you know, I think it needs to be more than just a Clint Stewart type who's who's not really a big shooter score type of, of, of point guard, but a, a point guard that can go score, which to me, honestly, in today's college basketball, most point guards or combo guards are guys that can go score it and shoot it and get to the rim, you know, all those kinds of things and distribute. So that that'd be number one, I think. So does Denny Clemente have any uh, eligibility left? Yeah, yeah, that'd be that'd be great. I'd take him. I mean, I look back. I mean, I'd take a guy like Larry Reed. I'd take a guy like Elliot Hatcher, Anthony Bean. Those are you know, those were guys that were part of the program when they were bad, but would be, in my opinion, really good fits on a team would like you what take, we have now. Would you take Will Spradlin? Yeah, I like. I I mean, my I don't second, think he fits it perfectly. My second pick, see, because he would be more my second pick, because I think he's more of a of a two three that can handle it. Probably more similar to different athlete completely, but more similar to Selton Miguel almost in what he can do. Um, but I would like another wing that can play the four, um, that can rebound, um, that can get after it. So a sort of replacement for Dejuan Gordon, I think is what they need is, is kind of a glue guy uh, that can do a lot of different things. It's maybe not great at anything, probably not a great score, but a guy that will play defense and rebound for you. I think they need on this team. And then the third guy I would go after, you know, one of the younger guards, cause I think it would be nice to get a third freshman in the freshman class. Uh, the Mason kid from, from blue Valley Northwest or the blocker kid. I can't remember where he's from. Tennessee, those, Tennessee. those two kids I think would be pretty good fits guys that can kind of play a role this year and increase their role as, as their careers go. So I, I think Fran Fasilla said it all year, um, especially when he did K-State games is use the transfer reporter because it helps you get older. And I think they need to do that with at least one spot. And I would prefer to, and then get a freshman um, that can develop preferably a guard. I think we're, we got plenty of bigs and, I, I, I keep hoping that Bruce sees the fact that we played our best this season when we went small and played four guards, basically four wings. Um, and most of the Big 12 plays four guards or four wings in it, or two guards and two wings anyway. So you don't have to play two bigs all the time. Yep. And, and this next question kind of contradicts that a little bit, but Monty Murphy tweeted out, run it back, Cats, year three, revenge tour, healthy, scary. How much could a healthy Monte Murphy change with this team could be next year? Um, or are you to the point where, uh, you know, his health history has been too much to even try to project out what a healthy season for him could be? Well, I, I mean, it's entirely possible that the surgery had to fix his foot issues can fix what bothered him the first two years. I mean, who's to say that that hasn't been a lingering condition he had since high school and then he just needed to get that fixed. So that's number one is I don't think it's impossible to think that this might be what he needed 
and he just kept putting it off because he was going to keep trying to play. Um, second thing, you know, this is a guy that scored over five points and grabbed over three boards in 20 games last year as a freshman. He actually, he, I think he was second on the team in rebounding per 100 last year, but his rebounding rate was over 13, which is higher than any player we had on the team this year, even uh, Dijuan or Tony, who are best two rebounders this year as far as rebounding rate goes. Although Easy, Easy Agu and Bradford did get much better as the season goes along in those regards. So he's a guy that can rebound. He can step out and shoot threes a little bit. So he does have that stretch potential at the four. He can guard a lot of spots. He could probably even guard a two, a two if he had to in a pinch. Definitely guard three through five at times. Um, although big fives like Derek Culver probably give him some problems. But he, he, I mean, I'm not against if you've got a guy that can play uh, and be more of a stretch four and more of a power forward type. I'm certainly not against that. I like going small when you have to, but it's nice to have the option to do both because I don't think. I don't think Murphy's going to play 40 minutes a game. So if you can play him 20 to 25 minutes a game, and then you can go small 15 to 20 minutes a game, I think that's not a problem. And it makes you hard to guard, makes you hard to uh, prepare for and gives you, gives Bruce a lot of options. But again, you can't just have role players out there at all five spots. You got to have some good players. So, so we'll see how, what happens with that. I, I did agree with what you said on the live is that, Monty Murphy, when he was at his best his freshman year, was probably the best of those three freshmen, um, two of which are now gone. Yeah, pour, pour one out for Tony and Dejuan. All right, uh, the, the final thing specifically about K-State, because I, I think you, uh, unlike me, are much more measured and you t- take better inventory of things when it's the K-State fan base. I, I'm quite emotional and I get caught up in the moment, but uh, the there have been a lot of lows with, with, with K-State basketball during the Bruce Weber era, especially when it comes to the fans. Uh, but between the two back-to-back, you know, historically bad seasons and seeing one of the most likable uh, players leave in a peer program making investment to make a change at their coach, um, I almost think that we have achieved rock bottom as a fan base of infighting. Um, again, I, I get caught up in the moment far too easily where is your take on the health of the K-State basketball fan base? And is it is it truly at that, or am I just getting sucked into some of the Twitter and uh, K-State message board stuff, and uh, f- am I forgetting something that was much lower than this moment? No, I, I think I, I would say that that's true. Um, you just have a segment that was seemingly waiting for Bruce to fail just so they could be right. And they've been like that since 2012 when he was hired or 2013. So, um, I mean, there's just a large segment that never liked him initially. Initially, my first reaction was not good either. Um, But, you know, I'm I'm usually the one that's going to move on, buy in, and and hope for the best. Still at that point, um, my confidence in that happening is less. you can't deny the past two seasons. You can't deny losing 20 seasons, 20 games, two seasons in a row. Um, you can't deny the, the low floor ceiling seasons that we've seen under Bruce. And, and that, you know, that's really the difference is we got used to the floor for, for Frank and Bob Huggins for one year was two NITs. So, you know, I think our fan base came to the expectation that the NIT should be the floor. Um, I don't know if that's realistic. I think you're going to have a season once in a while um, where you don't make any tournament, but it should probably be more like 2015 or 16 and not like the last two seasons. So I can understand the frustration when, with winning, you know, three or four Big 12 games two years in a row and, and losing 20 games and being extremely frustrated and wanting any coach to be fired but then you throw in Bruce Weber and it's just going to polarize things even more. But I also think it's just a reflection of, of society. It's the same thing with politics. It's the same thing with anything that you want to talk about in social media is that people don't like shades of gray and nuanced conversations and, and they're going to go with their camp and they're going to stick with their camp and they're not going to be uh, show much of a willingness to, to, to try to meet in the middle. And it's that way with sports, unfortunately. And I think 
that's a big part of it too. And that's just kind of who we've become um, as, as, uh, as a society. And I'm not trying to make any grand comments on society, but I just, the evidence is there. And I think, you know, social media and message boards have kind of always been that way. You know, message boards, certainly I've been on message boards for 20 years now. So um, you see the cycle of going back and forth, but I do think as far as K-State sports go, there's never been a more polarizing figure than Bruce Weber. So that is definitely a big part of it just because everybody had their hot takes when he was hired. They had the hot takes when uh, the uh, roster mess happened the first time. They had their hot takes when he started winning again and won a Big 12 title and went to the lead eight. And then they have their hot takes now that we have had two really bad seasons. So uh, that's what's going to happen. That's what's uh, commentary is going to happen when people think of K-State sports. So I don't disagree with you, but I think, you know, sports cycles, K-State's going to get better. This is not the end of the world, and it's not the end of K-State basketball for, for that matter either. So we're going to get better. Yeah, I agree with you. And then again, I, I, I think it's perfectly realistic for people wanting to uh, fire Bruce Weber. I don't want to be accused of someone who's saying, oh, no, you have to keep him no matter what. And, oh, being one of the – you can't do better than Bruce Weber. And who are you going to hire? All that type of stuff. I I have my opinions. I, I, I'm fine riding out with Bruce again next year. But but it's understandable. So I, I was just trying to get your uh, – your take, because sometimes I've been accused of sensationalizing a little bit too well, much when commentary on K-State fans. Well, I'll just say that I'll just kind of end with this on this topic. Um, it's funny how if you're positive and you you try to bring up maybe, you know, things that have happened well in the past or things that could happen well in the, the future. Um, sometimes you get accused of telling people how to fan or or. Uh, that sort of thing. But then at the same time, you are called part of the problem and a person who accepts mediocrity and all this kind of stuff, which is telling people how to fan maybe indirectly, but it's still telling people how to fan. So I agree with you. I don't believe in telling anyone how to fan either way, but both sides do it. And uh, it does get annoying. Uh, I've just gone to the, the, from now on, when I see these same Bruce talking points go back and forth, I just post a gif of a tennis rally because <laughs> all it is is hitting the ball back and forth. No one's winning the shot. It's just a perpetual rally back and forth, back and forth. And, and frankly, that part of being a fan gets old to me, and I, and I really don't care to be part of it. So I, I usually try to avoid those discussions either on Twitter or message boards because to me at this point they're just annoying. Yep, for sure. All right, we're going to end it with, uh, do you have any, uh, you know, NCAA hot takes or any uh, predictions? Uh, it was a very fun first round, and as we've been talking, uh, you know, ironically enough, Brad Underwood is having a lot of trouble with uh, Illinois or Loyola Chicago despite being, yeah. you know, the favored team uh, in a tournament where they're expected to go to the Final Four. So, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to touch that one. I'm just going to throw, throw that out there. Um, you know, currently down seven when we're taping this. Granted, they might come back and win by 17, but, but, it, but you know, he's, he's struggling with old sister Gene himself. Yeah. Um, it's just it's, – it's interesting to watch today's modern – kind of modern basketball. And I think um, in one-game settings, uh, the modern system where you're going to shoot 40% of your shots from three and the rest hopefully around the rim – um, maybe 5% of your shots are, are long two-point jump shots. Um, if you have an off night from three, um, I think that's going to be – that's what I'm watching. That's what I – you know, you look – everybody said, well, Baylor isn't back. Baylor's sucking. They, they shot 25% and 21% from three in their two losses. So, to me, it's pretty simple. A lot of these teams that are guard-oriented and shoot very well from three and shoot – so many shots from three, if you have a bad night, you're going to lose um, in the tournament. And then you have, you know, you know, watching Texas lose with one of the more experienced teams in the country, a bunch of experienced guards, and then not being able to take care of the basketball um, and, and play a team that basically won playing Bruce Weber basketball 
um, low possessions, forcing t- Texas into 35% turnover rate, and not even scoring uh, 0.09 or 0.9 points per possession um, was interesting. I won't say anything more about that, but uh, um, it's just, you know, it's, it's a fun to watch, but I do think how teams do from three when teams shoot 23s a game is going to be a big deal. Well, perfect. I love it. Jimmy, thank you as always for coming on again. You, I think at this point you are the all-time leader <laughs> in guests. I mean, I, at some point, you know, if you ever want to start your own spinoff show, we'll help you do it because I think, uh, I think my dad says it, says it correctly. After every time you come on, he'll call me or text me or whenever we talk, he'll talk about how every time he listens to you talk, he feels like he's getting smarter in the way he watches uh, K-State sports. So I appreciate you coming on. Uh, basically whenever we need you to. I look forward to seeing you this summer for some baseball games and getting to hang out and talk to you soon. Um, To all the Boneheads listening, if you're still listening at this point, the link to the Locker Room app is in uh, the bio of the show or the description of the show. Download it. Come hang out with us again on Friday. I think we're also going to have Dave from Bet Online on midweek to talk about the week that was in March Madness betting. If you have a specific question that you want me to ask uh, Dave over at Bet Online, tweet it to me and I'll see if I can work it into the show uh, and get some of your questions answered. So we love you guys. I enjoyed having you on. Um, I do think things are going to get better, but guess what? Even if they aren't, we're still going to be talking to you at least once a week all year long. We love you guys. We love the Boneheads. Uh, Grant would say meet you at the Cathead. I would say just try to be nice to someone this week. And, uh, yeah, let's have a week. It's a big week. Network.